What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rated Excellent. My name's Exy, and this is my little corner of the internet where I talk about video games, movies, TV, whatever the fuck I feel like, really. Uh, and if you've stumbled upon this, somehow you found this test episode of the podcast. This is technically the third test episode, but as far as y'all know, this is only the second test episode. First one, it just disappeared. Uh, we're just going to pretend like it never existed. It wasn't really anything bad. It was like seven seconds long. Not really all that important. Anyway, um, like I said, this is just kind of where I'm going to talk about whatever the fuck I feel like. And today, as promised in the last test episode, I'm going to go over a quick top ten kind of as an, an homage to the first official video from Triforce of Chaos, which is really, really, really old. Um, that's where, as far as most people know, that's where I got my YouTube start. I was actually on YouTube years before that, but maybe that's a story for another day. But our first video as Triforce of Chaos, we did our top five video games, um, Myself and Aaron, we both picked five. So it, it was actually technically like a top ten, but uh, he did his five. I did my five. We talked about him for a little bit. And then, yeah, that was our first video. And shortly after that is when we had some Let's Plays going. And the rest was like two, two and a half years and... 1100 videos and you know eventually I will probably talk about what exactly happened to Triforce of Chaos kind of like behind the scenes and why we are no longer creating content together um, but like I said that's probably for another another episode like when this podcast is officially launched but um yeah, so basically what I did was I actually just re-watched that video and took the games that were mentioned from them and if it was a game that I liked, regardless of whose list it was on, I put it in a spreadsheet and as another game come up, if I like that game better, it just bumped that first game down until... I filled a top 10. Um, there are some games on here from my list, some games on here from Aaron's list. So, uh, but these are actually probably, I wouldn't say this is my rock solid 10 favorite games of all time, but this is a pretty solid list as far as I would go um, like if I had to pick 10 games to spend a year on a, like a desert island that somehow had power and these games available and you know everything else was provided food water all that good shit these are probably the 10 games that I would pick to get me through that whole year um, so I believe I'm probably going to actually, you know, put in some effort to this episode and play a little bit of the music from each game. So without further ado, let's jump right in to number 10. 
So number 10 is actually going to be Minecraft. There's not really a whole lot I can say about this game other than you could do pretty much anything in it. Um, I had a real love-hate relationship with Minecraft, especially in the early days of TOC, uh, because we were playing it on console. I dabbled around with it on PC, but just the the vast differences between where the PC version was and where the console version was, it was hard to keep transitioning back and forth. So we stuck primarily with the console version and having to essentially relearn the game with a controller instead of mouse and keyboard, that was a challenge. But as far as the actual game goes, we had a ton of fun playing Minecraft. At least I did. Um, I enjoyed doing the the builds and the upgrades to our homestead and our world and all that in between the episodes um as far as playing minecraft now it i do find it a bit challenging to play it solo um just because there's so many possibilities of what you can do it's hard to focus in on like one specific task like if i'm not specifically achievement hunting in it then i kind of just like well, i'm gonna do this for a couple minutes oh what's this over here and then well, let me go punch this tree and let me dig down and try to find some diamond and then before i know it um i have no idea where my house is i've lost my map and oh yeah i'm starving to death but yeah if I was stranded on a desert island, Minecraft would definitely be on my list of things because it is very easy to get lost in there for just hours. Okay, so number nine would be Final Fantasy VII, but the original Final Fantasy VII back on the PS1. Uh, I have played a few hours of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and don't get me wrong, I do enjoy it. Um, but I don't think I'm far enough in for it to fully grab me yet, and I can only play that game in limited chunks. Whereas Final Fantasy VII... Very similar situation, uh, in my opinion, until you get out of Midgar, Final Fantasy VII just kind of drags on and on and on. But once you're out of Midgar and in the open world, holy shit, what a great game. Um, I mean, you've got the choices to where do you want to go, go and do the Vincent side quest and add him to your party? Uh, how about the Yuffie side quest? And then... Just all the other stuff like chocobo hunting and all, you know, getting everything ready to do the chocobo races and try to get the golden chocobo. And um, at some point, you get to ride around the overworld in a car. I mean, buggy. And fucking Sid. This is the best representation of Sid, in my opinion, in any Final Fantasy game. He's an old, can cantankerous, space piratey guy 
who uh, now granted is a little sexist, but he just does not take shit from anybody. And the, f- the future and previous SIDS, uh, like say Final Fantasy IX's SID, for example, he's a fucking frog or some shit. But Final Fantasy VII, I mean, the, the story alone... That's probably a good solid 30 to 40 hours if you're just, like, going straight through. So, that could easily kill a good bit of time. And if you're trying to do everything in the game, like trying to get all the ultimate weapons and gather all the materia and do all that stuff, level everybody up to 99 except for, you know, one specific person, but we won't get into that. Um... You know, you could probably spend a whole year playing that game alone. Uh, but yeah, Final Fantasy VII, the original PS1 version, uh, that is my number nine. Legend of Zelda. Ocarina of Time. That's going to be my number eight. Um, this one was actually probably the hardest one to really decide should it be at this spot or should it be a couple spots higher. But ultimately, and as cliche as it sounds, the Water Temple and actually the Shadow Temple. I'm not very fond of the Shadow Temple. That is what dropped it down to probably this number eight position. Um, my Legend of Zelda experience to this point was I played the original one on the NES and that was it. I did not play Zelda 2. Didn't play uh, the one on the SNES. So I jumped straight from the NES to Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and it was like mind blown. Um, Actually I didn't actually own a copy of this until I, um, let's say I got creative and traded it at a video rental store. That's a story for another day. Uh, I'll go into probably a much deeper dive in the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time in a future episode, and I'll definitely tell that story then. Um, but just being able to be Child Link and doing the Deku tree and then going to Mount Doom and uh, what was his name? Jabu Jabu doing that um, to get the three spiritual stones. When I got those three stones, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, about done with the game. This is it. I'm about to beat it. And then you get the fucking ocarina and you open up the Temple of Time and then you transform into adult Link and all of a sudden there's a whole nother fucking game waiting for you. And that was insane. Uh, Plus, just at the time, this was, I believe, the biggest open world game upon its release. And I understand as bad as it looks now, but you have to understand that coming from like NES graphics to that, I mean, that was like, this is the most realistic games are ever going to look. But yeah, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Definitely on my, I'm taking this to the fucking desert 
and being stranded playing it on a list. So the next game on the list coming in at the number seven spot is going to be Final Fantasy IX. It's almost kind of crazy how Final Fantasy IX falls in at number seven and Final Fantasy VII fell in at number nine. That was completely unintentional by design. Uh, just a happy accident. But Final Fantasy IX, late in the PS1's life cycle, Clearly, the developers had figured out how to push the PS1 to its absolute limits. Even by today's standards, I personally believe that Final Fantasy IX still looks very good. Cutscenes are gorgeous. The overall world design, yes, the pre-rendered background still, but they just look so crisp and good. Um, I had a, I, I have a real deep affection for this game because it, it was my first Final Fantasy game and I'm a firm believer that the first Final Fantasy you play, if you get into that genre, that will be your favorite. Uh, I, if I had played Final Fantasy seven before this, I believe that the roles would have been reversed and Final Fantasy seven would be a much more meaningful game to me. But Final Fantasy IX is what ultimately introduced me to the RPG genre. Um, truth be told, it was probably Super Mario RPG. Played that on the SNES when route time that it came out. But honestly, I was a dumb little kid. Didn't really understand what RPGs were, so I didn't like it at the time. But I, I had a big connection with the main character, uh, Zidane from Final Fantasy IX. A bit of a bit of a loner didn't really belong anywhere which if you played the game you understand the the overarching story with Zidane of why he didn't fit in anywhere um, but I had a real deep connection with that because you know I was like oh this is me in the video game and uh, yeah just I, I don't think I could ever have a top 10 list without Final Fantasy 9 being somewhere on it just because of that alone but Final Fantasy 9 taking the number 7 spot what do we have at number 6 Mega Man motherfucking X this game just what the fuck dude fucking killer soundtrack honestly all the Mega Man X series have fucking great music even the regular Mega Man games have really good music um, of course in Japan he's called Rockman so all the music is kind of you know based around the rock and roll genre uh, I believe what is it Final uh, no not Final Fantasy uh, Mega Man X 6 maybe where in the American version all of the Mavericks are named after members of Guns N' Roses. I believe it's Mega Man X6. might be Mega Man X5. Either way, um, who knew that a Super Nintendo could sound this good? I mean, pretty much every, every fucking track in this game 
slaps. I mean, it's just, it goes so fucking hard. And then I played, I think Mega Man 2 was the only one I had before this. And going from Mega Man 2 to Mega Man X, where it's like, whoa, the fucking graphics are insane. Um, you get the dash boots in Chill Penguin stage, and then now you can dash and you can wall jump and you can do all this fucking shit. And then the armor upgrades look cool as shit. And if I can only play one Mega Man X game of the entire series, it's going to be the original just because... Yeah, the later entries, they get more fancy and you know, there's multiple armors you can get, but you just can't really beat the original. I mean, it was it was solid, and then they had to keep trying to build upon that and top it. And I don't think they ever actually exceeded what the first one came to the table with, if that makes sense. But... If I can only play one Mega Man game, X or regular, it's going to be fucking Mega Man X. I'm taking that to the desert. I'm playing that shit all the fucking time. There was a time where it could be argued that I would probably never have allowed any Halo game to be on any top 10. Um, long, long, long time ago, I was on another podcast before podcasts were even called podcasts. And we were talking about Halo 2 and we had gotten Halo 2, I believe the night that it launched and we came home and we had some, let's call it soda, since we were underage, and within six hours, we'd already beaten the whole campaign. That was pretty pretty much a letdown, um, especially following up off of Halo 1. And then it was fucking years before we could get the conclusion of what happened in Halo 2 and Halo 3, but Halo 3 is an absolute fucking masterpiece. I still go back and play Halo 3 in its entirety at least once a year, if not twice a year. Um, close runners-up in the Halo series has got to be ODST and Reach. Uh, Reach is just fucking amazing. Actually, I just finished doing a playthrough of Halo Reach, um, and I'm in the process of editing those videos to go up on YouTube. So, hopefully those should be up soon. Uh, I kind of want to get a couple more Let's Plays in the can before I start publishing videos again regularly. But that, that's a, that's another thing. We're, we're here to talk about this list of 10 games that you play when you're stranded for a year, not talking about YouTube videos going up. But Halo 3, uh, everything about it, the... The equipment, like the bubble shield, was a fucking game changer. The uh, one of my favorite things to do is to fucking dual wield the the brute spiker pistols. Those things are brutal, or not the uh, what are they called? Maulers, which are like the the handheld like pistol shotguns or whatever. Get one of those and a spiker, and you could do some fucking damage with us with that shit. Um, 
And then the ending where, uh, spoiler, 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 the ending where it's implied that Chief is dead and the Arbiter scratches 117 onto the big monument tombstone. That, that hits you in the fucking feels, man. But Halo 3, honestly, I believe Halo 3 is the best in the series still to this day. With probably ODST coming in a close second and Halo Reach coming in at a very close third. But you can't go wrong with Halo 3. If you've never played a Halo, just jump into Halo 3. Yeah, it'll be a little difficult to go back to Halo 1 and 2 if you want to learn the rest of the story. But that's a good starting point is Halo 3. Anyway, let's move on to number four. Okay, so the number four slot, this is kind of going to be... You could probably argue that I'm cheating by this, but you know what? It's my fucking podcast, so I don't feel like I'm cheating. But Resident Evil 2 or Resident Evil 2 Remake, I, 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 can't, I can't divide them. I can't split them apart. They are two sides of the same coin, essentially. Uh, Resident Evil 2, back on the original release, which it came out on PlayStation. I actually first played it on Nintendo 64. Did I? No, actually, I did play it on PS1 first. Uh, I rented it, and I was forced to play as Claire because the Leon disc was missing. So, fuck that kid, whoever kept the Leon disc. But that was just one weekend. It was like... I think that following Christmas, after I rented it, it came out on N64, and I got it, and was finally able to play Leon and Claire, you know, the way it's supposed to be, like, Leon A, then Claire B, and then Claire A, Leon B. And even though I was playing probably the most inferior version, I fucking love that game. It really was my introduction into survival horror, and I've never left then fast forward many 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 years later and then RE2 remake comes out and even though they changed some of it it's still essentially the same game and believe it or not like that's kind of how I imagined it while I was playing it on the N64 like somehow my mind made it look better than it actually is and I, I think a lot of us understand that but like seeing the RE2 remake it was like oh my god this is what this game was supposed to be but the technology was not there yet and the game developers had to wait for things to catch up to them and because of that I, I like I said I just can't separate them they're they're two sides of the same coin. There's no other way to put it. And while I, I do enjoy Resident Evil 4, both the original release and the remake, 
neither one of them would be there without Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 2 remake. Sad to say, honestly, I could kind of go without Resident Evil 1 altogether um, because unless they go back and they remake it in the new RE engine in this style as the remakes, I would say that ultimately we just forget that Resident Evil 1 exists as far as the game, we we need to keep the story because it lays a lot of the groundwork, but as far as the necessity of starting at Resident Evil 1, or actually technically Resident Evil 0, both of those, you can just kind of get the synopsis and start at RE2. But that is my number four spot, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 2 Remake combined. was probably the hardest one to fit on this list like if we're ranking the games now if it's just like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten okay cool we're packed and ready to go then this list doesn't really matter but i mean these are kind of my choices like this is the game that i'm gonna play first or this is the game that i'm gonna save until last you know depending on how you want to look at the list being routed throughout this year being stranded in the desert but I can't have a list without Sonic 3 and Knuckles on it. Um, Sonic 2 played it religiously. Sonic 3, the fact that they made Tails a... Yes, Tails was a playable character in 2, but when I say he was a playable character in 3, I mean, like, you could actually control his swimming and his flying, and he kind of served a purpose... In this one, um, the most obvious example is the boss fight in level three. Um, what was that? The marble marble ruins zone, I believe, is what it's called. But you have to ha tails has to carry Sonic to attack Robotnik because it's it's up in the sky because he destroyed all the ground somehow. Or if you're playing as just tails. It's really, really hard because you have to like maneuver your tails to hit a very certain spot of Robotnik's uh, drill airship thingy without hitting the flames or the drill. So it's actually kind of tricky. Um, Knuckles, fucking amazing. Like the fact that all of the levels had an entire other design to them, exclusive to Knuckles, that you wouldn't even know about without the 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 Sonic and Knuckles cart to do the lock-on technology, which thankfully now we've got things like uh, the Sonic Origins collection. As, as janky as it is, it provides a way to play that game in its entirety. There was a, a, a Xbox Live Arcade release of the games many years ago on the 360 that if you had Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles downloaded you could link them up from within the game but you don't get the full experience without both and probably the biggest letdown to the Sonic Origins collection is they changed out some of the soundtrack 
me personally, I don't necessarily dislike the songs that they changed them out with, but I just can't play Carnival Night Zone without the original release music. Like just it just puts you in the move like that. I mean, that, that just fucking... I mean, that sets the entire mood for the level. Like, as soon as you hear it, you the whole scenery that's in the level, it just makes sense. Like, and then Ice Cap Zone, I believe, is another one that got replaced. And that track's just a fucking banger. Um, I mean, I would go to, like, OC Remix and download all kinds of songs from games, but I probably had the most songs that were remixes of Ice Cap Zone. That's how fucking good it is. But yeah, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, even with everything that's come out since then, I I can confidently say that Sonic 3 and Knuckles is still my favorite Sonic game, and I do consider it one complete game. Um... Probably Sonic Generations would be a close second, but you, you just can't beat Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Super Mario World, rounding out the top three at number two. Uh, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say about this. His flagship title on the Super Nintendo. It took everything that Super Mario Bros. 3 did and just amplified it. And I mean, the introduction of Yoshi, that, that takes it to a whole nother level. The, the Cape Feather. For a long time, I, I did not like the Cape Feather because I did not understand how to properly use it. Like, I could, you know, fly with the little round, round. I could probably do that, like, three times, and then I lose the rhythm and just fucking nosedive. But once I learn how to do it, now, I mean, flying over levels is cool as hell. Um, trying to do, like, weird cape tricks where, like, you nosedive down below the platforms and then try to make your way back up. Just, like, little self-personal challenges the overworld looks great the levels themselves are great the hidden the hidden exits the keyholes and all that like i don't know of a game that did anything like that before and every time you played it it was like there was something new and i distinctly remember how uh, when you go in the mountain, Vanilla Dome, I immediately found, you know, how to go the, the I, what I believe is the intended path. You go into the water from the first level, then you up to the ghost house, and then to castle number three. And then you go out on the lower level of Cheese Bridge or Butter Bridge. But there was a fort up at the top of the mountain. And I was like, how do you get there? I could get to the castle number four, but it, there's no path to get over to that fort. And I remember 
just driving myself crazy for probably the better part of a week trying to figure out how to get to that fort because I could see it. I just couldn't achieve it. And then when I found, I believe that might have been the first secret exit that I found in Vanilla Dome 1. And I was like, oh, there's there's a fucking pipe over here. And go through it, and then it takes you up to the next world. And then that took me up, and oh, there's that fucking fort I was looking for. And I was like, oh. Well, if there was a second... If there was a second way out of that level, maybe there's a second way out of the other level. So I would time out numerous times on pretty much every level, just looking for other ways to exit the level. Damn, I have rambled on about this game a lot. That's probably why it's my number two. But I could I could complete Super Mario World over and over and over again. And you know, now with these days with all the different speed runs. I could challenge myself to, you know, small only run, no Yoshi run, um, all, all that good shit. And it'll never get old. But without further ado, it's time for number one. Donkey Kong Country 2. Diddy Kong's Quest. Yes, I was one of those that for many, 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 many years, I referred to it as Diddy's Kong Quest, which I, I believe both titles should be pretty much valid. Because you've got Diddy Kong's, so it's Diddy Kong, and it's his quest, or it's Diddy's Conquest, which is like conquest, but the the pun on Kong, I believe both should work. But for many years, it was conquest. This game, this was my go-to game every time I was like sick, upset, bored, lonely, pretty much any time that I couldn't figure out anything else to do. I just popped Donkey Kong Country 2 in. Um, Diddy was cool, but having Dixie there instead of Donkey Kong, like, I don't know. It just seemed better just for that reason alone. And the, the pirate theme at the beginning and you know all the enemies throughout the rest of it are all pirate themed and I was really into pirates growing up so that hit me hard um the DK coins the or what are they hero coins uh it you know it became a challenge to find all of those and then when I found out about the lost world and all the levels that went with that I was like well I gotta do that cause I I remember the first time I went to see Clubba at his little toll bridge thing, and it gives you the option to uh, fight, pay toll, or leave. And I went in there, and I tried to fight like 10 or 20 times easy. I was like, there's this golden barrel there. There's got to be something good in it. But And the fucking music is phenomenal. Um, 
Bramblebush Symphony, or no, Stickerbrush Symphony, but it's Bramble Scramble is the level name. Fucking landmark in video game soundtracks right there. Um, the le- the roller coaster levels, that, that one's a fucking banger, especially. There is a OC Remix version, I think it's called Jitterbug. But it's remixed from that that level's music, and it's fucking great. No, no, Jitterbug is from DKC3. What am I thinking of? Just go to OC Remix, find Donkey Kong Country 2, and find any of the songs that are done from the roller coaster levels. They're all fucking good. Um, probably the the thing that sticks out the most is I distinctly remember going to the the giant uh, the zinger they're called zingers went to the giant zinger boss and I was afraid of bees growing up and I was like nope I nope the fuck out it I that's where I stopped it took me quite a while to even try to challenge that boss like you turned into the parrot he goes across there's the giant fucking bee and I just dropped the controller and walked away that I'm not dealing with this <laughs> uh, but yeah Donkey Kong Country 2 I, I I can still throw that game on anytime I'm upset and it just it's just comforting so that's definitely going with me to be stranded on a desert island or in the desert. And that will probably be the game that I save until the last stretch before I get picked up. Because it's the game that's going to make me feel the most like home and get me ready to take on whatever the world throws at me. As cheesy as that sounds, but if you love video games, somewhere in your collection, there's a game that makes you feel the same way. But yeah, that's that's my top 10 list. Just to recap real quick, at number 10, we've got Minecraft, then Final Fantasy 7, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Final Fantasy 9, Mega Man X, Halo 3, Resident Evil 2, and Resident Evil 2 Remake tied at number 4. Sonic 3 and Knuckles, Super Mario World number 2, and Donkey Kong Country 2 at number 1. Now, like I said, this is not like a top 10 best games of all time, but if I'm just completely can't figure out what to play, you can bet that it's going to be one of these games when I'm like, alright, I can't figure out anything my backlog is tremendously massive and it's a little overwhelming. You know what? I'm just going to throw Sonic 3 and Knuckles on. Done. So yeah, this is a significantly longer episode than the first test episode. This, I mean, when I get it edited down, because there, there are some some stop gaps and all that that I'm going to remove in editing that you'll never even know were there. But this will probably be like the 30-ish minute mark. And I'm thinking that the full-fledged episodes are probably going to be at about the 30-minute mark and then probably build up to the hour. And it probably won't exceed an hour very often. But the point of this episode is to 
you know, just start talking about things and also give me on the back end a way to edit things and kind of start developing more of a format on how I'm going to edit these and do I like doing this or do I want to stop doing that in the future and yeah that's pretty much all I've got um, so you know if you've somehow found this test episode and you don't know who I am I go by Xy. I currently randomly stream at twitch.tv slash rated excellent um there is a Patreon setup, but I really don't expect anybody to go and uh, subscribe or whatever it's called when you you Patreon somebody. Because I, I don't have any massive exclusive library of content, but I do have it set up just for the simple fact of why not? And I've got several let's plays um and other things over at youtube.com at rated excellent God, that's so weird to have to say now i liked it better when it was youtube.com slash rated excellent now it's youtube.com slash at rated excellent that that app really throws everything off but yeah i um i don't really have a, a release schedule over there yet either as I mentioned earlier in this episode that I've got some let's plays recorded and I want to get them all edited and like pre-uploaded and scheduled out before I start actually publishing them but my plan moving forward is I'm hoping that I can get this podcast released I'm hoping every week but here starting out it may have to be every other week and I'm going to try to get some topics go ahead and outline so I'm not necessarily so much rambling off the cuff and can, you know, dial it in more on something like, let's say, the history of TOC or an in-depth review of a game or movie or TV series or whatever like that. But the hardest part about this is how to end it. I still haven't figured that one out. So I guess the best thing to do is we just got to stop talking. So let's stop.